Dick. 
And you come to bless the Lord today. Just a few quick announcements. The pastor appreciation is on the 16th of Saturday. Two weeks. All right, next Saturday. It's coming Saturday. Uh, four to six. Come prepared to eat. Uh, also, if you're looking for plan to attend, please sign. Uh, so get an idea on food. There's some papers out in the front for you. Please sign your last name and have an opportunity so we get an idea on how to be here. All right. Let's stand together. Also, on that Saturday morning, if you can come and help at 11 o'clock, if you're setting up some tables, just put it down. Right Lord, we bless you in this place this morning. We lift you and magnify you.
If the Lord would help me for just a few minutes today, I want to try to bless you if I can. If you don't, God won't. Now, I know that sounds discouraging to kick off the service, but just let me get to the end before you give up on me, all right? But the way we're going to start this thing is with the title, If You Don't, God Won't. I was reading my Bible, matter of fact, many of you, you probably, maybe you've read your Bible through. If you haven't read your Bible all the way through, you ought to try listening to your Bible sometimes. It's a wonderful way to take in the Word. If you don't have time, you can listen going down the road. You can pop your AirPods in. You can listen to the Bible. But man, I'm telling you, you need to listen to the whole book. You really do. You need to get it. If you're a Christian, oh God, help Jimmy. I'm starting off bad today. If you're a Christian, the books of the Bible should be the priority book in your life. This is the book that you were saved by. This is the book that you lived by, right? This is the book that every promise that God has ever given every believer is inside of. It's called the Bible. So, if a murder mystery book is more important to you than the Bible, don't everybody shout at once before I even get started. You'll ruin it before we get there. I'll give it our God will stop. To a Christian, the priority should be this book called the Bible. And I've read this Bible through numerous times, different versions, just to get an idea of what's going on and what God's trying to say. And I promise you one thing that I've learned is that woven throughout all of the scriptures, there is this unmistakable fact that God conditionally gives his promises and his blessings to us. I said conditionally. You can study from the Old Testament and the New Testament and you will find and verify this truth. That God won't provide if we don't meet his conditions. In other words, another word for it would be prerequisites. You learned that in school. I learned it when I went to college. You had to have the prerequisites before you could get into the course that you wanted to take. So if you didn't have the prerequisites, you didn't just jump right under the program. You did that first. And then you could let the other follow it up. God in his word has given us so many blessings, but there's prerequisites and conditions that are on those blessings. Let me give you just a, a few ideas of that. This truth can be observed in the book of Revelation. You can read it when Jesus deals in chapter 3 with the church of Laodicea. Jesus said to them, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hear my voice and open up the door, then I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Now I can clearly understand that from this verse, if Jesus wants to have fellowship with me, he will do it with anyone, but he will only do it with the ones that meet this prerequisite, this condition, the precondition, the form. Boy, girl, it doesn't matter where they come from. It 
another promise says, is implied when the Lord said, He said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So to find the Lord's rest in the middle of your stressful life, this is what God says. The imperative, the command. He says, Come unto me. If we don't, He wants. God never said, I'm just going to go around and I'm just going to grab your, your burdens and I'm just going to pull them off of them just because you're a good person. I'm going to pull them off of you just because you've been a member of the church for the last 15 years. So because of that, I'll take the burden from you. The prerequisite is God says, you come unto me when you are burdened and heavy laden and then I am going to give you a rest like you never had before. Spiritual rest, emotional rest, mental rest. And I tell somebody that the battle that I have most of the time, it is with this right here. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? My problem is in my head. My problem is the battle that I have on the inside. My battle is the voice that I hear. Sometimes it's my own voice. And my own voice is discouraging to myself. That's why David said I have to sometimes encourage myself in the Lord. Because sometimes we can actually discourage ourselves. And David said, I've got to change my way of thinking. I've got to start thinking things that are positive, that are of a good report. Sometimes the voices I hear in my head are that of the enemy, of the devil, of Satan himself. And there's never anything good that comes out of his mouth, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. The Bible goes on tells us about a man that had a withered hand from birth. He wants to be healed. Jesus speaks to the man, he gives him a commandment, and he said, stretch forth thine hand. The Bible said as soon as he stretched it forth, it was restored whole just like the other hand was. But had he not obeyed Jesus Christ and his voice, he would not have been restored to use that hand again. But because he was obedient, he received his healing. Malachi 3. We don't like talking about money, but then it's such a promise that God gives us in Malachi when he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me. He said, test me, try me, says the Lord. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there will not be enough room for you to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for you. On the condition that the times are brought to the storehouse, God says, I am going to do something for you. I am going to open up the floodgates of heaven. I am going to pour down this blessing. And I am going to rebuke the destroyer in your life. He intends to still kill and destroy everything that you have. But I am going to prevent your crop from filling. Everything that you've worked hard for, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to rebuke that devil when he comes to you. All because of you are blessing God like However, if you don't tie, you don't fall under that protection. The Lord does not obligate himself to provide financial miracles to those who refuse to do Malachi 3. Do you understand? There are prerequisites that I have a God that is ready to bless me. I have a God that is ready to do some great things for me. Now the text that I'm going to read here, and I'm not reading it yet, but I'm getting to it. I want you to the need for revival in the text that I'm reading. 
that God requires certain conditions be met for revival and restoration to take place in our lives. So God's people, and this is what I want you to hear today, we will not experience revival and restoration without meeting clearly specified requirements that God's Word gives us from the book of 2 Chronicles. You know it's 7.13. I'm not going to read it quite yet. I'm getting there. The background of this passage can be found in chapters 5 and 6. So we read before and in these two chapters we find that Solomon is dedicating the temple to God. He's praying, asking God to, to take control of this place. It's your house, Lord. Do what you want with it. It is a festive time. That means that they are celebrating. It is a spiritual time. It is also a soul-searching time for God's people as they repent of their sins. The presence of God is in this temple. His presence brings together spiritual celebrations, but it also brings about convictions. See, there's something about this, and I love this point, that when we get in the presence of God, we celebrate. Isn't that what it's about? We celebrate this great God that we serve today. We celebrate that the Lamb of God has given Himself so that we can be saved. Celebrate, saints of God. Without Jesus, you would be in heaven, right? We are here today doing some festivities. We are celebrating. But when the presence of God comes in the house, hear me and hear me well, not only will we celebrate, we will find ourselves under conviction. Now, I know that is not popular preaching, but I'm telling you that when the presence of see, see, I know in my day, well, we can shout with the best of them. And people, I've seen it. They shouted on Sunday and on Monday. They were drinking beer and cussing and living their own lifestyle. And you thought, how in the world can this even be possible? All I can tell you is they didn't get a hold to the real presence of God. I don't know what they were shouting and dancing about. But when the real presence of God comes in our midst, there will also be a spirit of conviction that will make us feel this being in a prime never Being in a service where the power of the Holy Spirit moved. Then I didn't feel like I was that big in His presence. Never one time. I've been raising this thing. My mama shouted when I was nine months in her womb, dancing me around, flipping like John the Baptist. Hallelujah. I know what it is. I've been in this way. But not one time have I been in a service where the power of God fell. Then I walk out of there feeling, oh, I'm big and I'm strong and I'm mighty.
Can you imagine? I'm preaching a sermon today. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit coming on me in such a way that I could not minister to you? That this, this is what happens to the priests that are trying to do their sacrifice. All of a sudden, the power of God came. I guess it feels like being slain in the Spirit. I mean, what would God do? I talk about nine drop moments. I just got in the Spirit. Y'all heard the light fail. Most of you got that guy had a heart attack. I would come trying to check my, my pulse and all that and call 911. And I'm like, man, I'm just out in the spirit. Can you imagine that? The priests are such under the power of the Holy Ghost that they cannot even. I mean, this is the God that He wants to be. In this dedication service that Solomon's doing, He has knelt down on a brazen scaffold in the presence of the people. This is because of the sins. 
that God's people have committed. They work long hours. They do everything according to the specified methods. They've got their methodology. They do things the way our folks are supposed to. But they are living empty spiritually. They're in a famine financially. Even relationally because they have turned against God. Blessings. All they ever can think of blessings is memories from the past. Now it's failure. It's distress. It's what a wretched man that I am. Where joy once was, all of a sudden now there's plagues, there's calamities, there's pestilence. The life of Israel at the time that I'm reading has become a time of pestilence. Alright? Their crops are being eaten up. God's glory was felt in the past, but not anymore. Sure, they could go back to the temple and they could recall the spontaneous experiences that they have had. Where the presence of God just filled. Have you ever been in a spontaneous moment with God? Where God just came into the house unexpected, unaware. And all of a sudden, His presence just. You've been riding in your car praying, asking God to give you a miracle. And all of a sudden, in that moment, in that place of deep sincerity, all of a sudden, the presence of God came in your car in a way you haven't felt it in a long time. This is the presence of God. They've went away from that. Once they drank from this deep, exhilarating fountain flowing from God, but now they thirst for spiritual water. Their praise is now superficial. Their worship has become meaningless. Even their attendance at the house the Lord is insincere. That's if they show up. If your life fits this description and you feel like sometimes that's you and you're barren and you need a touch from God, I want to read my text to you, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, Solomon, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. He said, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, if I send pestilence among my people, are you ready? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their Now we love preaching verse 14. We hate dealing with chapter 5 and chapter 6 when we talk about the lethargy of the people of God. We hate talking about the unrepentance, the attitude that they have. But today, listen to me, I cannot give you one without giving you the other. Are y'all still with me today? Is Pastor Newton okay? And I have a few more minutes. There are some prerequisites. Before I can get you to verse 14, there are some preconditions that we have to do before we can actually experience this God all-inspiring revival that God is sending to His people. Now notice first that what God refers to, He refers to my people which are called by my name. He calls attention to the people. This is not the word. He is talking to people that have experienced the power and presence of God. He is talking to a group of people that nobody needs to get out of church at 12 o'clock on a Sunday night. He's talking to a group of people that nobody is at 
heaven that is shut up. The rain isn't falling. The seed is just sitting there in the ground waiting to die. Fruitfulness once abandoned, but watch this. I want to show you what God says to his people. He says, I see where you are. I see what you've been through. And I want to show you the prerequisites for revival. I want to show you what it is going to take to get it. In the time of judgment, I'm going to show you how to return to a place of favor. I'm going to teach you how to experience revival. I'm going to show you how to have a spiritual renewal if you want to. There are four conditions specific that God gave us that must be met. I want you to notice the first thing before I go into it to me is humility is mentioned. Before we have revival and the fire falling, perhaps the Lord listens to this requirement first because pride goes before a fall, right? A Holy Spirit and such goes before destruction. The truth is holiness, arrogance, defiance is pride. That's when God tells us to go one way and we go another way. That is pride because we're telling God we know better than He does about the journey that we're on. It is arrogance. It is us thinking we're better than everybody else. It is self-praise. Oh, look at what I've done. Oh, oh ain't I a good preacher? Oh, ain't I a good singer? Oh, don't I do this good? And I do this better than you do. All of these are pride, and they are roadblocks for, from us giving to God. They are keeping us away. So God says, I need you to unfold yourselves. No one can do that for you. Nobody can do that. You must take the measures and you must make the steps yourself to strip yourself of pride. So I said, Pastor, I'm not for old. Oh, come on, aren't we all? Don't we all have a little bit of pride in us? Let's not be sanctimonious and so holy because every man is right in his own. That's called pride. Pride is when I think I am always right and I cannot accept the fact sometimes maybe I'm, I'm still right or maybe I'm not as right as you. We have to be stripped of pride. We have to understand that it is all about God and what He is doing. We bow ourselves in submission to Him with a broken and a contract spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in our midst and deals with our heart through convicting power. The Lord will not send revival and restoration in your life until you first humble yourself. Secondly, God requires us to pray before He sends spiritual renewal. And restoration. Thankful, sincere prayer is the bipolar opposite of the lack of prayer. They strongly contrast with one another. And the lack of prayer is what usually precedes a spiritual downfall. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that if we quit praying, we are more likely to sin. When we are in the presence of God, when we are praying, when we are consistent, when we are talking to 
gives you newfound energy. Think of prayer as when you don't know what you're going to do and you hit your knees and all of a sudden you feel the Holy Ghost give you a supercharge. That's what prayer is. And prayer is powerful. And God says to His people, Heaven is not and cannot be open until people pray. Can I say to somebody that prayer still works? I say it all the time. It is 101 basic. We'll call it church 101. Church basic. It's 101. Prayer. It is the most simple thing we can do, yet it is the most powerful thing that we can do. But it's a thing that we very very little actually do. The greatest tool in our arsenal. It is like pulling out the biggest and baddest nuclear bomb when you're in the middle of the war. Satan hates it when we pray. Let me tell you, it worked for Daniel in the lion's den. It worked for Paul among many shipwrecks. It worked for the early church when they prayed until literally the Bible said the place in which they were praying in Acts, the Bible said it was literally shaken by the power of God. They prayed until the answers came. They prayed until the power of God worked miracles in the early church. They prayed until the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2 came as clothed in tongues like there's a fire and sat on each one of them. Separated us from God. It is our failures. It is our shortcomings. 
to seek God. This is the earnest of pleading with Him. And the Word of God said, if you seek the Lord with all your heart and soul, He said, you will find Him. Hallelujah to God. But God won't be obligated to restore His blessings on us if we don't seek Him. If you don't, God won't. You went to my last, last screen just a little too fast there. Nathan's getting excited. He's already thinking about a shout right there out the computer, praise the Lord. If you don't, God won't. Fourthly, for revival and restoration, God calls for us to turn away from our wicked ways. This is so important. To turn away means that there's going to be repentance. There's going to be change. There's going to be conversion. There's going to be transformation. We ask God for His mercy. We beg God, forgive us. It leads us back to the living God. He cannot restore blessings of His presence if we don't turn from our wicked ways. So God says, I need you to repent. But for those willing to do the prerequisites, number three in closing, I see the promises of God. So by taking four simple steps in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, the backside of God's people that have slipped back meet the conditions for renewal and revival. And then these promises of God are assured to a repentant person. God's restoration plan calls for the labor of people. Humble themselves. Pray. Seek the face of God. Turn from their wicked ways. And then God will hear. Are you ready? God will hear. So when you begin to pray in purity of heart, in purity of spirit, seeking in the face of God, He is going to give you an audience to your prayer and your petition. He not only hears us, but we serve a God that answers our prayer. So here we are asking God, Lord, I know where I have been. I know where I have strayed. I know where I have wandered away from you. But Father, I am asking you to bring me back to you. I am asking you to give me a new start. I am asking you to give me a new beginning. And then God answers our prayers and says, I'm going to give you an opportunity to start What would it be like if I had a man in prison who has spent much of his life there and the day finally comes, he got into drugs, he did something dumb when he was young. They gave him 15, 20 years. Pretty decent person, just got wrapped up in the wrong crowd. 15, 20 years, I go to that man and I look at him and I say, Brian, you've served your time. You've shown that you're repentant. You cried before that judge and you told him that you shouldn't have been at that place when you were. There were some things that went down and you were a dumb teenager and you did some stupid stuff and you cried that day and there were people hurt and that and you asked the family to forgive you. You were so sorry that all of this happened. But I come to you one day, 15 years later, and I say, Brian, come on. We got your clothes at the front. You are a free man. And do you know what happens in that moment? What I am saying to a man that has strength, what I am saying to a man that was weak, what I am saying to a man that really knows what it is to be in family, because he's been locked in a jail cell for 15 years, but I look at him and say, Brian, today is your day. What we are going to do in society, we are going to erase everything that you have done. We are going to sponge you. We are going to let this criminal record, let it go. You are free to go about your day. 
teach in that erasure and she wiped it away. And I was a spiritual kid. And I was preaching when I was nine years old in churches. And so I know what good preaching stuff is. And as I saw her erasing that down there, oh my God, I'm going to preach that next Sunday or next opportunity I get. Because I want the world to know that that is exactly what God does to a repentant soul. That's exactly what God does to It has all been written off. 
I will heal your land. The reason people fail to move forward and the reason the people of God, they kept going back to their sin, going back to their sin. They felt unworthy to be in God's presence. They felt unworthy for restoration. They felt unworthy to experience revival. They felt unworthy if God would give them a blessing and they get ahead for once. And because of that, they went back to their old ways. They never forgave themselves. And they lived as if it was an open wound inside of them. That would never heal. But God says, when I have a person that comes to me and prays and they seek my face and they agree that they're going to turn from their wicked ways, I'm going to hear, I'm going to forgive, and there is a healing that is about to take place inside of them. They won't live with that guilt anymore. What I'm trying to tell somebody today is this is a promise of God. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Restoration is possible. Heaven is open again. You feel His closeness. The Spirit of God heals us. Moral healing occurs. The rain from heaven falls again. All of a sudden, the blessings of God are falling. Let's all stand. I want to close with this. that I will pour out 
God says, I'm going to show you wonders. In heaven and in earth, blood and fire, pillars of smoke, suns turning the darkness, moon turning the blood before the coming of the great awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion, in the church, with my people and in Jerusalem, there shall be deliverance. As the Lord has said among the remnant, who the Lord calls. Go on top of the screen. We today started. If you don't, God won't. But now, Nathan, you can hit the other one that I want you to hit. If you don't, God won't. But, don't you love that word? But, if you do, God will.
Sing it one more time, Brian. Come on, come on. 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 Come on,